You have kids. You make sure they're fed. You make sure they have shelter and you tuck them in at night. But are you dropping the ball on the financial side of being a parent? Six must-dos for parents on today's show. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. So, Brian, I'm actually really excited about this show because uh, you're, you, a parent. you're a parent and I'm a parent. And so I think there's a lot of folks out there listening to say, hey, you know, I'm a parent too. Or maybe I want to be a parent or maybe I'm an expected parent. Uh, or maybe I have parents. This is a great show to be able to go through. Hey, these are six things that parents ought to be thinking about if you have, you know, if you have planning on having, or even if you are a kid, these are some things maybe your parents well, should be thinking about. Well, and here's the thing. Because of some of the edits you made on the show notes, even if you got kids that are out of the house, mm-hmm. there's some things in here that are going to hit you. So That's this right. is all ages. All you have to do is at some point in your life, somebody called you mama or daddy. So here, let's talk about... Must-dos for parents. Number one, but let's just jump into this, by the way. Moneyguy.com. I don't brag about. Go check us out at moneyguy.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel or go listen to us on the... you know, however you download podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and then Twitter. Okay, that's a hot mess. Let's jump into this thing. Number one, draft a will and a plan for guardianship. That's... Dare I say that's the biggest, most important, most vital one, and that's why we put it number one. When you think about like financial planning, there's a pyramid. We always talk about the planning pyramid. Well, the very base of the pyramid are your biggest risks, the things you have to take care of. And right dead in there, if you have young children, the number one thing that has to be on your list is estate documents and plans for guardianship. And I'm I'm surprised at how many successful people that come to us, and they don't have this. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's because it's an uncomfortable conversation. And, Bo, you, you wrote it in the show notes, is that if it's an uncomfortable conversation when you're all here above ground, That's right. how do you think it's going to be when somebody beside you is trying to make the decision? So don't let the state be the decider of what happens with some of your your, your most prized thing on the planet, which That's is right. your children. And, and what are we talking about? We're talking about if something were to happen to you and or your spouse and someone else is going to have to step in to take care of your children, your estate documents, the guardianship provisions inside your will, are the documents that state who that person will be. They'll also state how that person will handle the money for the benefit of your kids. Yeah. Sometimes it's the same person. Sometimes it's different people. So you just have to make sure if you've had kids and you don't have updated estate documents or maybe the brother-in-law and sister that you said were going to be the guardians have now gotten divorced or a parent is no longer in the picture. Whatever the case may be, you just have to make sure that's that's updated because unfortunately, none of us know when we're going to get hit by that bus of nuns, and so you have to be prepared. So plan ahead. Number two, button down your insurance coverage. And Bo, mm-hmm. this thing looked like an all-you-could-eat buffet of insurance <laughs> coverages, so let's kind of jump into this. First one we had was life insurance. That's right. The whole purpose... now. I know a lot of you guys, but it's okay if you want to play with my leg <laughs> under the table. But a lot of you guys, when you hear life insurance, you get nervous. Are these guys about to sell me some insurance? Because we all see the life insurance agents coming our way mm-hmm. and selling us. No, I'm trying to make sure that you're protecting and replacing income. That's right. Because, and look, I don't, I don't like products that are sold through fear, but it is one of those things where life insurance, I, I would hate to see you in your 20s or your 30s and you have young children in the house you have so many hopes and dreams, and then just because you didn't do the the, the little work of getting life insurance shored up for yourself, term life mm-hmm. insurance, 
that all those dreams are not fulfilled. And, and we've seen this both ways, Brian. Uh, it's, it's, it's always tragic, no matter what, when someone passes away when there are young children in the house. And we've seen it one, you know, one way where life insurance was the saving grace that allowed the family to be able to continue to function the same way with, with the deceased parent. And unfortunately, we've also seen it the other way, where someone has passed away without life insurance. It's been a real struggle yeah. for, the, for the family left behind. So it's just, if the wills and estate documents are this piece, Right above that piece, you have to make sure you have life insurance. So, and here's some good guidance on that is typically um, while you have children in the house, you want to do however long. So if you have like a five-year-old, it might make sense to do like a 20-year term policy because mm-hmm. that gets into 25. That's right. Um, you know, and then do 10 times your income plus if you have a big, you know, mortgage, um, any other big debt that you want to make sure is paid off, and then even potentially some of the educational funding goals that you might have for for the kids. So yeah, so it's so Brian, a, a, a question just immediately arises. Okay, what if I'm somebody who um, I work and my spouse stays home yeah. with the kids? They don't have any income, so ten times zero. I probably don't need to get life insurance on my spouse. Yeah, right? but that, but that is such a, a misnomer in the fact that just because you have one spouse that stays home with the children. That is that has a tangible asset value that needs to be insured. So I always tell people, at least go get two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars of term insurance on that spouse, even if they're staying at home. Because guess what? If something should happen to them, you who is making the money would have to find a way to cover those that for a period of time, and you might even be out of the workforce right. for a while while you're getting all that feet sorted out. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have that protection coverage there. Right. Plus, it could help out with the debt. Number two on the, the button down the life insurance coverage is disability insurance. Cause Another huge one. Guess what? You're more likely to become disabled than you are to die. That's right. But yet the number of people that have disability insurance is much smaller than people that even have life insurance. Um, so if we had disability or at least considering disability, how much insurance should you get, Bo? Yeah, so we think a pretty solid rule of thumb is about 60% of whatever your current income is. So if you can replace 60%, and what this does is it's supposed to bridge that gap. If you were to become disabled, unable to go to work, unable to go create an income, this insurance will pay out so that your family can still pay the mortgage, put food on the table, keep the lights on. So 60% is pretty standard. Obviously, if you're someone uh, who's either higher income or maybe you have higher uh, economic needs, you can go above 60%, but that's what we normally see. I always, the thing is, when you hear 60%, you're like, wow, I don't know if I can make it off that, but here's the truth of the matter. Your paycheck is probably only 60 to 70% of what you actually make. Um, and the good news is with disability insurance, if you pay the premium after tax, meaning don't let, don't take it pre-tax, don't take the tax deduction when you pay the premium on your disability premiums, but if you pay it after tax, if you do become disabled, the entire benefit will be paid to you tax-free. That's so that's 60% could actually fill a lot more because it's going to be completely tax-free, and that's that right. makes a huge difference. But before we moved on past disability, we talk about this specifically like with doctors and people who are specialized. What's own occupation provisions? Yeah, you want to make sure the definition of disability on your policy is an own occupation definition as opposed to an any occupation. What you don't want to be is you don't want to be a specialist. Maybe you're an engineer that makes a very solid income uh, and you're highly specialized. You become disabled and you go to file a claim and the insurance company says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you're not disabled because you could still go become a school teacher or you could still go do this or do that. You want to make sure you have insurance in place that protects you from doing your job so that way it protects your family. And I've seen a mix, especially for high-income people. You might have a mix of both types. You mm-hmm. might have own-oc because it's expensive, more yep, expensive, right. I should say. 
and you might have more just general protection. So you, you could have a mix. That way you're protected if you have something catastrophic that you couldn't even do the school teaching or some other. That's right. and, that, and that's not a, a, a cut on school. It's just saying that different know, the, than the insurance yeah. underwriting or the insurance risk group is going to treat each case that's a right. little differently. Um, let's move on because this one, especially with, with kids, umbrella coverage. We have a case. What's so funny is that I've been doing this so long that I have a case where a child in elementary school threw a rock at the school bus. And they got off the school bus, picked up a rock, threw the rock at the school bus, causing mischief, hit a person, and had to get some corrective surgeries mm-hmm. and other things. It was a disaster. The umbrella coverage protected. Now, what's crazy is this person is now married, um, super successful. And the, the kid, the kid, the kid is like man, graduate from, um, you, you know, it's, old. It's, it's, that's what I'm but. I'm telling you, even good kids do stupid stuff. That's right. And I'm telling you, umbrella coverage will protect you. And it's not only going to protect you from your kids, but if you have somebody working at the house, mm-hmm. you're going to like this. Or you're in a car accident. You don't even have to be at the house. That's you right. could be in a car accident, and your umbrella coverage is what's going to protect you if somebody decides they're going right. to sue you. So make sure you take that into account. If you're someone who has either assets built up or even you just have really strong income earning potential, probably makes sense if you have umbrella coverage, and it's really, really inexpensive. All you have to do is call your insurance agent, whoever has your home and auto insurance, and say, hey, send me a quote for an umbrella policy roughly equal to my net worth. So yeah. if your net worth is a million bucks, get a million-dollar quote. So on and so forth. It gets a little harder once your net worth is over five million, though. Just sure. that I don't want people yeah. trying to, because we have listeners. <laughs> we, you know, we have all types that are, that are listening. So, and then you close it out, but go into detail on health insurance. Yeah, there's this really interesting dichotomy that it, that exists in the health insurance world where uh, you can increase what your deductible is, and it'll decrease what you pay in your premiums. There's nothing wrong with that, but just make sure that you have emergency reserves where you can fund yeah. your deductible. If you're in a situation where you're just trying to save so much in the monthly premium that you have really subpar insurance with really high premiums, understand the risk that you're running. So if you have a young family, if you have kids in the house, make sure the insurance coverage you have makes sense for where you are lifestyle-wise. Number three on this list of parent parental must-dos sounds a little bit counterintuitive because it sounds a little selfish, Mm -hmm. and here it is. Prioritize building your own financial independence. you got to put yourself first. And you always, because we've traveled together, Mm -hmm. What's the analogy you always give yeah, on this? You one? know, whenever whenever you're on an airplane, the flight at, flight attendant flight attendants yes. uh, fl- the flight attendant always you know does the thing, and they always instruct you, hey, if we should need to put our oxygen masks on, make sure you put your mask on before you try to help out children or folks around you, because you have to make sure you're on a solid foundation before you can help others. Your finances is kind of is no different. You need to make sure you're on a solid financial footing before you start trying to help your kids get on a solid financial flow. So, so make sure, I mean, we've done so much content on financial order, order of operations, other things. You've got to have the basics covered. Mm-hmm. You know, the cash reserves, you got to cover the 15 to 20% for retirement savings. All these things so that you, it's your choice or junior's choice or your daughter's choice for you to live in the basement, and it's not out of a financial necessity because you made very poor decisions with your financial life. So, so be very careful of that one. Number <clears throat> four. Woo! I'm in the middle of this one, guys. I'm in the trenches of this number four, which is teach the value of a dollar. Yep. I think I'm winning, but I don't want to jinx it. Um, what I mean by teach the value of a dollar is this is the stage where I want, I want people, one of the must-dos I think all parents need to do is you want your, your children to be good citizens mm-hmm. when they leave the nest. You want to encourage a good work ethic. You want them to desire to, 
defer a portion for the future. Right. And he also wanted to be charitable. Yep. I mean, I think all those things are, are very noble. So here's some things you can do to teach these skill sets. I know I like to see matching programs. Yeah. Just like your employer offers you a matching program for your retirement savings, why shouldn't you as a parent offer a matching program for your child? I know I do a dollar-for-dollar dollar Roth contribution to my 15-year-old. For She works, she babysits, and does other things. We do a dollar-for-dollar dollar match, and she, she loads that thing up. I'm so, so proud of her. Just think about how exciting. If, if she could somehow put together $3,000... Yeah, uh, this year she'd max out her Roth with that match. You know how powerful a Roth maxed out at age fifteen is going to be for it's her. Be huge. It's huge. The other part of it, this is a this ties eventually into finances, but it's more of just a work ethic side of things. Is I think you have to have expectations with your children about what chores they're supposed to be doing, what they're responsible for. It's just like my daughter knows she's in charge of the dishes. Yeah, I mean, and and, and you know what, this is good for because I was always in charge of the dishes when I was a kid. I love washing dishes yeah. now. I don't know if it's some sick weirdo thing since I was doing it since a young age that I enjoy washing dishes, but it's good for your kids to, I know she has to take care of her room, take care of the dishes, take care of the dog, you know, feeding and all that stuff. And then we're looking at, I haven't done it yet, but the, the, the itch is there. I think she needs to be doing her own laundry within the next year. Yeah, I need to get some tips from you because I keep trying to get my kid to do the dishes, and I just can't get her to do it. Your children are way too young to be doing well, dishes. Maybe that's If that. you could do that, that is like a circus <laughs> sideshow. So that would be incredible because your oldest is what? Three, three and a half. Yeah, there's no way they can do dishes at three and a half. You'd be replacing dishes more than you'd that's be getting dishes true. washed. And then the last thing I was going to put on number four was we're in the car age. You, know, you mm -hmm. hear you know, our fellow neighbor Dave Ramsey talks about this. I'm in this right now because I have a 15-year-old, so uh, you were with me, Bo. This is probably a week and a half ago, and I get an app request from my daughter for the, the DMV yeah, test. Yeah, And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I thought, we were, I thought she was going to push us off a little bit. So she's obviously interested in learning to drive, but she is very aware, and she would tell you if she was sitting right here, she knows that we're going to do a matching program mm -hmm. on her car purchase. It will not be us buying her a car because I, I think that, first of all, that's one of those life things that I think that you don't want your child's first really nice car to be something mommy and daddy bought right. for them. Now, I don't want to upset anybody out there, but it's... That's a I, Preston I, I, It's a Preston, that's my opinion, is just because I know some of my f most fulfilling things is when I've gotten to do things for myself, and I just don't want to take that away from sure. my daughter. It doesn't mean you don't put them in safe vehicles just means that I'm trying to instill a work ethic and, a, and an individual desire to take great. care of themselves. Number five, help fund those education goals. Y'all probably thought this was going to be number three. Instead of making sure your finances are in good shape, we put this as number five. This is at the point where you have to figure out, and I, there's no right or wrong answer on this. I have so, We have so many successful clients, and... I have, um, I'm always amazed when you talk about, when you talk to parents and you say, what do you feel like your obligation is to your kids on education? Mm -hmm. You'll get a different answer. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll share mine. Mine is, I came out of college debt free. I had some scholarships and then, um, uh, you know, my parents helped out a, sure. a little bit and I came out and I always thought that was great that I hit the ground running on building wealth right. from day one, you know, because we don't come from money, but at least through scholarships and other things, I came out of college debt free. You were kind of the same thing. Yep, that's exactly right. But let me ask you, you came out of college from scholarships because mm -hmm. you, you were making money in college. <laughs> I remember when you took the job with me, you actually took a pay cut <laughs> from all the grants <laughs> and scholarships true. you were getting. 
But do you think you do you want the same thing for your kids, or do you want them to pay for some of it? Um, yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. I, I don't have my I don't have my head fully wrapped around that yet because my wife and I have talked about it. Because my my wife is someone who had to take had to take out student mm-hmm. loans to go through school, and one of the very first things that we did as a couple was figure out how to pay off our student loans. And so um, there are some value there. I think my preference is going to be I don't want my kids to have student loans, but yeah. we'll see. And 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 maybe what we'll do is there'll be some baseline that. Hey, I will cover this much cost of your school. So if you go to a school that fits below that, then dad, dad's got it, and mom and dad have it. And if it go above that, then we need you to have some skin in the game. I don't have that figured out yet. The big thing is have a discussion with your spouse about what do you, for, for, you know, <laughs> what do you feel like your obligation to your children is on education, and then come back and with a plan. I mean, mm-hmm. figure out how you're going to attack this, and that's that's going to lead to the next thing, which is maximize the planning tools. Five twenty nines. I will tell you, they've always been great. They've gotten even better under the new tax legislation because not only are they great for college, you can now use 529s for K-12 through private school, up to $10,000 a year. So um, these things, I I tell you, I love when you can find a planning tool. This is why I like HSAs for healthcare and other things that lets you – let your assets work for you, that army of dollar bills, mm-hmm. and then stick it to your favorite uncle on the taxes. Because that's what the other good thing about 529s, remember if you use these things for educational purposes, any type of growth within the account is going to be completely tax-free. And then you usually get a little bit of a sweetener. A lot of states in the United States right. offer tax incentives if you participate in their plan. So I'm just going to throw out a little bitty life hack out there. If you are a parent or a grandparent and you are sending your kids to private school right now or you're sending your grandkids to private school, check to see if your state has a tax incentive for 529 contributions. Even if you're not saving for college, you probably should be if you're sending them to private school. But even if you're not doing that, it might make sense if you start funding that 529 to get the state tax deduction in order to pay for the private school. That part was for free. Now, a lot of these five tips that we just gave pertained a lot to raising, mm-hmm. you know, child rearing. You'd put this one on here, and I thought this was great. This made it an all-ages episode. What's it, number six? What I think is so interesting is a lot of these steps are, uh, are steps that you see people make, mistakes you see people make when their kids are young. It's actually not the mistake that we see made the most often. Right. The number one mistake we see made the most often is that parents don't bring their kids into the financial equation as they age. Yeah. As your children become adults and start families of their own, and as you begin to advance in age, it's really important that you have that conversation with your kids about, hey, these are our wishes. This is our plan. These are the things that we have going on. This is how we're going to entrust you to help us navigate that. Uh, because there becomes a point, unfortunately, for some folks where they can't remember or can't do all the things that they once did. You just want to make sure you have that conversation with your kids before you get to that point. Well, I think it's a two-way street because it's going to, if you're successful and you have adult children, you need to kind of have conversations so that they're not have, their expectations aren't askew. Like, mm-hmm. Can you imagine, like, think, think about Warren Buffett. Now, look, all of his kids are, are probably very wealthy mm-hmm. because he's super wealthy. Sure. But he let it be known to them that they weren't inheriting all these billions of mm-hmm. dollars. I mean, I think it's the same thing with, for, with anybody successful is that you should have conversations with your adult children, right. understand what the expectations. But then the, t- the two-way street part comes into effect is that if you do a good enough job with that, it's not going to warp them mm-hmm. because you've had a good, healthy relationship with money. Right. And then the second thing is, is you start to falter. Maybe mm-hmm. you lose some of your 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 faculties to be able to do everything on your financial management. If you've done a good job of the communication side, 
a lot of those desires, a lot of those goals that you have are probably going to naturally happen because you've done such a good job of creating the plan and the communication. Because let's face it, your kids, you love your kids, your kids love you back. That's right. And they typically want to make you happy. So um, if if you'll just be realistic with each other, open that line of communication, I think you can do some tremendous things. So guys... This is one of those things where I feel, I feel like we also, if we were in the new studio, we could put up videos of kids like, you know, a fail video of kids crashing the tricycles or, or running into stuff. And, of course, you know, some wiffle ball bats hitting into people's private parts, and it would kick this thing up a whole nother level. But from a financial perspective, this stuff's just as important right. and just as educational and entertaining if you will focus on doing these six do's, must-do's, parents right. if you haven't subscribed out there on the youtube channel go out to uh, go out to youtube subscribe if you haven't signed up for our emails every every other week we do a long show after uh after that long show the next week we've been sending out deliverables that are only available right now to our email subscribers so if you want a cool worksheet spreadsheet template awesome doodad thing that we come up with go out there moneyguy.com give us your email address you'll get on our email list and we will get that in your hands and you're gonna love it I'm your host, Brian Preston, Mr. Bo Hansen. We'll talk to you soon. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice.